0: 97.1 FM Talk Podcast. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen.
1: Welcome to a Wednesday edition of the show. We are getting ready to go here on a gloomy day in St. Louis. Did I see the sun out this morning? I thought yeah, I did. Yeah, did. Yeah, where'd it go?
2: Yeah. Yeah, it went to the old clouds in the afternoon.
1: I suppose maybe you know, like people have mixed feelings on this. I am a person that would rather have a little bit of snow than like really cold temperatures. But this would be, you know, I'm this is just you. basic winter temperatures. We're in the uh, the 20s in the morning, and then. I don't know what it is, like 40 four, out there? 37 or 9 or something. Don't course. like it, but at least it's not 5 degrees.
2: Well, that's fair.
1: But if you look at the forecast for the next couple of weeks, it just you know stays the same. It doesn't look like we're going to get any snow or anything like that. Wah, wah. I told Abby this yesterday. This seems to be the year. Well, I think they're all like this now. We'll get like one storm in February, yes. right? And then one in March.
2: That's and that's it. pretty much it. I'm okay with that. Yet I'm not. All I don't right. know how to describe. Well, it.
1: we'll see what happens. We have um, a lot to get to here this afternoon, including a visit from our friend Salita Zito, who writes for the New York Post and the Washington Examiner. Coming up here, also Josh Hammer. Josh, this is a great story. You know, he came into town in the St. Louis. I think it was November. I had never met him in person. He's been a contributor for uh, a couple of years now. He's the Newsweek senior editor at large. And he uh, he pitched something that uh, that night we went out to dinner. He's got something called the Josh Hammer Show, which is now syndicated. And lo and behold, we're going to carry that on Saturday afternoons here wow. on 97.1 kind of FM Talk. Yeah, yeah, so 1 p.m. So he's going to join us. We have uh, our friend Alex Rich from Y98 who visits on Wednesdays. And I think this is cool. I think I'm going to be a little bit more excited maybe than Sue. But Alex <laughs> went to the, uh, the Cotton Bowl. And he went to the Cotton Bowl with some relatives of Mizzou quarterback Brady Cook. And he has the opportunity this afternoon to um, to talk to Brady, and we're going to air some of that interview in the 4 o'clock hour. But let me start here with uh, this Jimmy Kimmel, Aaron Rodgers stuff. And so you said you'd heard about this a little bit, yeah, right? Yeah, I saw this this morning. So what do you think, and, and I'm, I'm not trying to play gotcha or anything. I'm, I'm trying to maybe explain to people how dishonest some of the coverage of this story has been. But what do you think you know about it? What do you know about it at All this right, point? right, let's
2: see. I saw maybe a response from Jimmy Kimmel. Mm-hmm. That said, uh, you know, how dare you say that I would possibly be on uh, the list with um, the Jeffrey Epstein, Epstein, right. Epstein yeah. and how would you, you know, and you've damaged my family Right. So there, those there's, those I'm going
1: to read you what he said. So there's this allegation that somehow Rogers said something about the list related to yeah, uh, why would he... Jimmy Kimmel. Well, I'm going, to, I'm going to play all the audio and I'm going to put this into okay. context here. Yeah.
3: And, you know, I'm, I had the same impression. Of course. As Sue. I heard the story this morning. On CNN, and I think I only heard one side of it.
1: So when, when I heard the clip from Pat McAfee's show, not knowing what I'm about to tell you, it seemed to me that Rogers had gone off the reservation a little bit. Yeah. and say, man, he's accusing Jimmy Kimmel of being on the Epstein list. Yeah, he's not. Okay, so what? so like, now he's not. So let me let me explain it to you here. This is the um, I'm going to start here with the Pat McAfee segment. All right, so here's what it sounded like on the show, and I think this might even been from Monday, maybe not because of the holiday, but Rogers does this every week with McAfee.
0: have something to do with the Epstein list that came out? <laughs> feels like feels it's like. <laughs> supposed to be coming out soon. That's supposed to be coming out soon. Look, at this guy's been There's waiting in his people... wine cellar. Yeah. I've been waiting in my <laughs> wine <laughs> cellar for this. <laughs> thing. A lot of people, including Jimmy Kimmel, are really hoping that doesn't. Oh,
1: please,
0: <laughs> all right.
1: Now I could stop it right there. And, and you would lack context, but I'm going to let it roll a little bit because if you listen carefully here, there's context.
3: All right, obviously a clip from this particular program was run on Jimmy Kimmel's show uh, whenever Aaron brought up the the list and then – Jimmy mocked him for it. Mm-hmm. Aaron has not forgotten about that. But here we are sitting right in front of that nice bottle of scotch. Mm-hmm. What do you say? I'm waiting to celebrate something. Oh, yeah. yeah something <laughs> He's
1: awesome. been waiting That's for <laughs> the one. All right. So, what is he waiting to celebrate? Now, I have a pretty strong theory, and I think I'm right about this. Let's be reminded here that Jimmy Kimmel has made fun of Aaron Rodgers, right? So, here's, um, here's a little sample of that. Aaron Rodgers reportedly received a homeopathic treatment over the summer instead
3: of the vaccine. You know, we shouldn't know, because nothing says I heal myself with crystals like this haircut. I mean, that little knot on top.
1: Aaron is a Karen. That's the fact of the matter. So that's when Rogers had the man bun and Kimmel's making fun of him. I think that's all fair game, right? But but here is the response. I'm going to kind of go back and forth here and piece this together. So I played you what was said on the Pat McAfee show. Here's the response that you referred to, Sue. For the record, he, he put this on X, formerly Twitter. Always have to laugh about that. For the record, I've not met, flown with, visited, or had any contact whatsoever with Epstein. Nor will you find my name on any, quote, list, unquote, other than the clearly phony nonsense that soft brain wackos like yourself can't seem to distinguish from reality. Your reckless words put my family in danger. Keep it up, and we will debate the facts further in court. Now, that seems pretty serious yeah. if, in fact, the accusation is that he's on the list— Right. Right. But that's not the accusation. Here's and, and this is what I love about the media. Let me just read you the opening line of the, the Washington Post story about this. And I'm going to it's all going to come together for you here in a second. All right. Here's how they report in the Washington Post. Jimmy Kimmel threatened to sue quarterback Aaron Rodgers on Tuesday after the NFL star suggested that the late night television host might be named on a list of associates of the late accused sex trafficker Jeffrey Epstein. But see, that whole paragraph is nonsense, because that's not what Aaron Rodgers did. You know how I know that? Because here's what Jimmy Kimmel did to Aaron Rodgers, and this is specifically what Aaron Rodgers is excited about. Needless to say, all this UFO talk has the tinfoil hatters going wild, including Green Bay Whack
3: Packer Aaron Rodgers, who offered this hot take on the Pat McAfee show.
0: I I believe that this has been going on for a long time. Interesting uh, timing on everything.
1: Now, wait, I should point out, this is earlier this year. This is like last year. This is April when this happens, right? So this is the spring. There's a lot of other things going on in the
0: world. Did you hear about the Epstein client list uh, about to be released, too? What's that? What
1: are you talking about? All right, so he brings up the Epstein client list. Now, that's last spring when he brings that up, right? Brought it up this week, too, but brought it up last spring. What did Jimmy Kimmel say about that?
0: There's some files that have have some names on it that might be uh, getting released pretty soon. Oh. Oh. (laughs) Might be time to revisit that concussion protocol, Aaron.
1: So he mocked Aaron Rodgers for even referring to some goofy—this is the same guy that mocked Russian interference and all the other stuff. This is what these late-night comedians do. So then you go down to the Washington Post story about this. And they, they sort of refer to some of the things that have happened in the past. They say that March, Kimmel, it was March, Kimmel mocked Rogers calling him a tinfoil hatter for offering what he called a hot take. But they don't really reference exactly what was said in that clip, which I think is reckless and irresponsible. So he accuses him of being a conspiracy theorist because he's a kooky, wacky guy, and Jimmy Kimmel is such a Big, whiny baby that he can't take it and he has to respond completely out of context, acting like he never said that about Aaron Rodgers and threatens to sue. It's nonsense. But what's even bigger than that, I think, is the fact that the rest of the media just runs with this story. And Sue and Fred, you think you know the story. I I happen to think that's a pretty significant piece of information. I mean, you can still do the story and say Aaron Rodgers made an unusual you know, reference to Jimmy Kimmel, but let's face it: there's more facts to this, and this isn't the biggest story on the planet. But this makes me so mad when they mangle these things, and this one has been completely mangled. So there's the true story of what happened there.
3: And CNN today had a defamation attorney on to talk about what a
1: whether joke. There's, a case there's no defamation. It, that's Aaron a joke. This, this wouldn't even get to the point where a lawyer would say, "Oh yeah, let's." Start it's not defamation at all. He didn't accuse him of being on the list by the way. It's pretty clear what he's accused him of 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 being a guy that mocks Aaron Rodgers with no basis of reality and then seems to me, you know, and I I was a pretty big fan of Aaron Rodgers when he was a Packer. I don't have any animus against him right now. I was someone that thought he was kind of out there on the fringes, but guess what? He's been vindicated at every step of the way on the vaccine on some of the other stupid stuff that people say about him. If you watched Hard Knocks on HBO leading up to the season, or Max, I guess, he was charming, had a great personality, all the things that people have said about him. I think he turned a lot of that around. So clearly Jimmy Kimmel and Aaron Rodgers do not like one another right now. But I think that the true context of that story is important, and I wanted to share that here hmm. this afternoon. Um, we got a lot of stuff, like I said, coming up. Selena Zito is the columnist for the New York Post, the Washington Examiner. She's going to have some thoughts even on John Fetterman because, you know, Selena's in Pennsylvania, and it's interesting because Fetterman is someone— do we still have that bite from Kilmeade from yesterday, Fred, do you know? Yeah. Let's pull that up when we uh, when we get her on because even Brian was saying, you know, there's two people maybe on the other side, and he's coming up this afternoon, by the way, in the 5 o'clock hour, two people on the other side— of the fence politically that I have a little hope in. He mentioned Bill Maher, and we feature Bill quite a bit here in our audio cut of the day, and he's not necessarily on my side or on Brian's side of things ideologically, but it doesn't matter because he calls them like he sees them, and he makes a lot of sense. So the other person is John Fetterman, because I think we've seen here, and some of you haven't seen this because people take off the holidays and the news cycle is a little different, but Fetterman said some things here recently in particular on the situation with Israel and Hamas and some of the protests that have been right on point. So what I've said is that I think that, you know, it's easy to make a judgment about people when you're outside of their state. And a lot of us are scratching our heads as far as why Fetterman won that race last year against Dr. Oz. I guess it goes back a little bit more than a year ago now. But Oz was a carpet, you know, bagger. And Fetterman was a guy that people in in Pennsylvania news. So we'll get to all that here this afternoon. I mentioned Kilmeade's coming up. We got a lot to get to, plus an audio cut of the day on a Wednesday afternoon edition of the Mark Reardon Show. You know, Brian Kilmeade's coming up. We haven't spoken with him in several weeks. He's going to visit with us in the 5 o'clock hour. And um, I had an audio clip in here today because Brian was talking about maybe some of the people on the other side ideologically that give him a little hope. He mentioned Bill Maher. I, I said that before the break. And I, I use a lot of Bill Maher audio because he's right on some of these issues. He also mentioned John Fetterman. And Senator Fetterman
0: is the other one that gives me hope. Yeah, it it it's weird to see this transition because I find myself every single week retweeting something that Fetterman has said and there's been you know, I, I followed his his race and he was somewhat of a progressive squad member, but just doesn't like what's happening at the border. Uh, he's been very supportive of Israel. So the Fetter, Fetterman did an interview with The New York Times, and he's claiming that both parties are rooting against him. So
1: that that's Lawrence Jones. And I don't know if he was a progressive, but Selena Zito will have a good handle on that. She writes for The New York Post and The Washington Examiner. You can find her at Selena How are you? Happy New Year. Oh, uh,
2: Happy New Year. Thanks so much for having me on.
1: You wrote about Senator Fetterman. And, you know, one of the things that I've said, and I think I was uh, saying this mainly because you, you've you told me this, is, you know, you, you get to know political candidates in your own state. And then when a race happens and it gets, um, you know, put in the national spotlight, we don't know John Fetterman outside of what we see on the national media. And sometimes that's not a clear picture. So is that a little bit of what's happening here?
2: Well, I think there's a number of things. So I interviewed him. And look, I have had me on the show. Listeners are familiar with listening to me. I was a harsh critic of him in 2022. However, the harsh criticism was all on transparency, not personal. And and I have seen since he started to emerge from the effects of the stroke. But also the depression, a return to a man that I had covered for 20 years. You know, he was never the Democrats' favorite child. He was never the progressives' favorite child. He was never a Republicans' favorite child. You could not pigeonhole him into being anything. But then sort of after the diagnosis with the heart before the stroke, I suspect depression had already set in. He probably wasn't even aware of it. And, you know, then the effects of the stroke. I think that— His message was conscripted by a lot of people, and it wasn't really his message. He really didn't have much of a voice. Um, and, And, you know, that was by design, and that was my problem with transparency. But as he has recovered from the stroke, as he's being treated for his depression, I have seen a return to the John Fetterman that I knew for 20 years before you know, running for Senate in 2022. And so I'm not surprised by anything that he said. This is always who he was. What I was surprised was about the guy that was running in 2022, which wasn't really his voice at all. So this is John Fetterman.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. And Look, on the Depression front, this is something that I've spoken about publicly for the last few years, because about 10 years ago, I, I suffered a devastating bout of depression. We would come in, Selena, do my radio show every day, not knowing if I could get through it. And it was horrible. And most people didn't know what was happening. But when he was on Meet the Press over the weekend, he talked about depression. When
4: uh, that it got released that where I was and where I was going, and it was, it was a big, sta- uh, big story. And uh, so I, I had assumed that, you know, that that would be the end of my career. Uh, and I don't know what, that, what kind of impact that would have on my family uh, or anything. So I, I really didn't know how, what would happen at that point.
1: Right there is so relatable to me because I remember in the uh, year that I was trying to get help, and I was very lucky, I had a shrink that diagnosed and you know put me on meds that finally worked. But I remember thinking, you know, I, I can't, I'm not going to be able to do this, my job anymore. I'm not going to be able to support my family. It was terrible. So on that front, I have a lot of relatability, and I think a lot of people listening right now do.
2: Yeah, and, I, and so I talked to him about that. I hope people go and read it. It's, at the well, it's in the Wall Street Journal, or they can go to com. But, you know, I talked to him about it, and I said, to, you know, John, it seems to me your biggest accomplishment so far as a U.S. senator is sort of peeling back that taboo of talking about depression, which, by the way, in this country— it's still a taboo when so many people sort of, you know, they suffer from different degrees of it. And he said, well, you know, if that is my biggest accomplishment, I'm, I'm proud of it because, you know, I was afraid to talk about it at first, but then I also wanted to be, I, I felt this need for transparency to sort of be unlocked. And, um, think once he did that 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 thing that he was in 2022 was sort of that the veil was lifted from that and he's returned to the guy that i've been covering forever
1: so you know you heard in that intro that i played lawrence jones from fox said that you know he was a progressive i I think that maybe there was some marketing that that he was but he told you that's never who he was right and you've covered him for a long time so that's probably accurate that he wasn't really on board with aoc and that gang right yeah
2: he he never got along you know so Summer lee is the um is the newest member of the squad who's from the same town he's from. most who never agree on anything. they were always at odds. He was never a a squatty person never ever and if you go back and read the things that I reported on, you know I did write that, but you know. People don't always read everything.
1: Well, so let me ask this question on the border, because I find this an interesting issue. And you don't have a lot of Democrats that are, you know, seemingly concerned about what's happening with tens of thousands, millions of people coming across the border. Now, I didn't know this until I read it in your piece. But you have uh, John Fetterman with a wife named Giselle that was just seven years old when her mom, who was from Brazil, brought her to the U.S. illegally. She's been naturalized since 2009. So he has some, obviously, some personal connections there as well. But he also seems to be someone that that understands that flooding the border with illegal migrants is somewhat problematic.
2: Yeah. He's like, uh, you don't need a whole heck of a lot of common sense to realize you can't have a population the size of Pittsburgh come across the border and have no idea who it is.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I'm glad that you gave that voice in the Wall Street Journal because I don't think the CNNs and the rest of the media are, are doing that with someone like John Fetterman. Let's kind of shift into some Republican politics and just get your thoughts. Let me just ask you about Nikki Haley, because Nikki Haley kind of stepped into it a couple of weeks ago on this uh, question of slavery, not mentioning slavery was the cause of the uh, Civil War. She was on Fox today. I
2: did respond to it right away. When you grow up in the South, you grow up and slavery is a constant Comment, constant point of discussion. You learn it in school. You talk about it. The South is actually very comfortable with our history. What I should have said immediately was that the Civil War was about slavery. But I just assumed that that was a given. And And she walked it back a little bit more.
1: And and I, I don't even think she did a particularly bad job of walking it back. But it came a couple of weeks late. All of this may be moot at this point. You, you see the polling, you know, you've been to Iowa. I don't think that anything's going to change dramatically there. Your thoughts on that, Selena, and just heading into these caucuses in a li- less than two weeks.
2: I don't, a, I don't think this is a thing. I don't think, I I think it's a social media thing. Nobody uh, thinks that Nikki Haley is a, is a racist. Nobody thinks that Nikki Haley doesn't understand the the depth of the um, importance of slavery, and she's right. In the South, they're comfortable talking about it. It's their history. Not that they're comfortable that it happened, but they're very sort of matter of fact about talking about it. And when she said, you know, I just, because of the way I grew up, I just assumed everyone just knew that. I get that sometimes when I'm writing a story and I assume everyone knows what I've known for all my life, and then I'm like, oh wait, yeah right tell people about this so i i think it's a nothing burger um i think she handled the cleanup immediately and um and she's right it was the cleanup was not covered but uh I, i don't think this impacts a voter
1: right but uh address my my question about is it kind of a moot point given where we are in this
2: uh, I don't know. I, I don't know what you mean
1: by that. In other words, it, it doesn't seem to me like any of these primaries caucuses will make a difference, and Trump's going to be the nominee.
2: I'm not convinced of that. I know you keep
1: saying that, and I don't want to be convinced of that, but I'm kind of convinced of that, Selena.
2: Well, I mean, it might happen. Yeah. It might not. You know, that's kind of where I am on this. I I, I have learned in my years. Uh, in American politics, that anytime something seems like it's inevitable, I'm incredibly skeptical of and
1: it. I get that part. And I've I been do.
2: proven over and over and over again that it's smart to be skeptical.
1: Well, the, on that, you're right, because let's face it, many of us were not very skeptical in um, in 22 with the midterms when it turned out to be just a little bit of a blip and not a red wave, and everything was pointing in the other direction. So I, I appreciate skepticism, and I practice that as well. I just keep looking for a path here that's different, and I, I don't see it, unless something happens in a shocking way in Iowa a week from Monday. Yeah, we'll see. We will see, (laughs) Selena Zito. Hey, read that piece, ladies and gentlemen, in the Wall Street Journal on John Fetterman. It's very good. Selena, awesome. Thank you. Happy New Year. We'll get you back soon.
2: Thanks. Happy right. New Year. Yeah, Bye-bye. Take
1: care. I want to get a little bit to the border issue here before I break. Josh Hammer's coming up from Newsweek. He's got some thoughts on Claudine Gay and that situation at Harvard. We're also going to promote his new show. Josh has got a syndicated radio show he's been doing, and we got it here on 97.1 FM Talk. I'd like to say that I played a role in that, but I really don't think I did. No. I recommended it to uh, Tricia, and she was already looking at it. So no. I, said, I just gave a plug. But Josh was actually able to meet them You know, when he came in that day and visited with us on the air. In November. But I have to play Alejandro Mayorkas, the the Secretary of Homeland Security. This is really unbelievable when you think about what he's saying in relation to the border. And, you know, you have to put some of this again on the media. I think this is Willie Geist from NBC not following up on questions with relation to what we see, I mean, you can see this with your own eyes if you look at the coverage on Fox. And again, I've said this a couple of times over the last three weeks. I legit, Sue, I don't know how much CNN, NBC, CBS News, are they showing these same images at the border that Bill Malusion is yeah, showing us? I don't know. I do not know. I don't either. But I, I think there's a built-in advantage for Democrats on this issue when it comes to the electorate because— Mykers can go on CNN and anywhere else and just tell lies.
3: Do you know Mr. Secretary Border Patrol in the month of December processed more migrants entering the United States illegally than any month in the history of that agency? Why is that happening? What how do you explain it?
1: So that was a pretty that that's not too difficult to understand that question, right, Sue? No. Hey, let me let me call it down for you. The, those of you might have missed it there. Hey, we got a big problem at the border, people just flooding over. What would you say about that? So here's his answer.
3: So we are seeing the greatest number of displaced people, not only at our Southern border, not only in the Western hemisphere, but across the globe. You know, I am involved in bilateral and multilateral meetings with my counterparts from foreign countries in Europe. What? Uh, in Asia, huh? the Indo-Pacific, all over Wait, the what? world. Yeah. In migration, the challenge of displaced people yeah. is a subject that comes up in every single conversation. We have the effects of climate change, oh yeah, poverty, yeah. increasing level of authoritarianism, the very many challenges that are at the root cause of the displacement of people around the world. <gasps>
1: I've always thought, and you <laughs> know, I, thank you, Kenny Wallace. I think sports figures do this too. Does a guy like Alejandro Mayorkas? Do you go to school to ignore a question in such a blatant fashion? He did. You hear what he said? You know, this issue Nothing. of migration. No, he didn't answer the question. Uh. This issue of migration is actually something that's occurring around the world. What, uh, Mr. Secretary? With all, this is where the media fails. <laughs> Willie Geist should have jumped in of there course. right away and said, um, "With all due respect, Mr." secretary you didn't answer the question i'm not talking about india or china or ukraine or any other south i'm talking about this country and the millions of people that your administration has let flood across the border but he didn't do that of course let me let me
3: identify one fundamental problem here and that is the fact that we have one governor in the state of texas who is refusing to cooperate with other governors and other local officials and coordinate efforts to address a challenge that our country, which this country should stand united to address, that our country is facing. And it's a remarkable failure of governance to refuse to cooperate Uh with one's fellow Uh local and state officials. Let me let me. Did did you hear what he just said there?
1: Wait, that's starting to play again. He just said it's a failure of governance on the part of Texas Governor. Are you Greg. kidding me? I, I know. I'm glad you picked up on that. It's clearly it's not a question of governance for this administration, which has allowed this to happen. Yes, it's unflippin' believable, yes it and and it's even more. I think it's even more stunning, simply because they they know the polling. They know that people are not on their side on this, so I don't really get the motivation outside of the fact that they're so ideologically bent that this is what they decide to do. So it really is something else that they keep... I've highlighted and we're only a half an hour into the show, or 40 minutes into the show, I've highlighted a couple of pretty big instances of media malpractice here this afternoon on the Jimmy Kimmel, Aaron Rodgers story, which that might be considered a little minor media malpractice. This is worse. All right, we're getting loaded up for tomorrow. Michael Goodwin from the New York Post will be here. Fascinating story that Julie Kelly told today on Real Clear Investigations about that plot that was alleged a couple years ago about Gretchen Whitmer, the uh, governor of Michigan. This is really fascinating. Julie's going to join us. We have a roundtable set for Friday. Jane will be here, State Senator Mary Elizabeth Coleman and former State Senator Jeff Smith. Um, also on Friday, you know Dan Buffa reached out to our old movie friend, and he's a big proponent, and I like this because most of the new movies suck, but they're going to show some uh, classic movies on the big screen. Ooh, now we're talking. Throughout the year. So we'll get with Buffa on that. I got Kill coming up a little later this afternoon. Sue will have Sue's news. I also realized something last night. I had an epiphany on the way that I might have to introduce Fred from now on. Oh. Because he's going into the St. Louis Media Hall of yeah. Fame. He's going to be a Hall of Famer. I'll explain that All right. a little after 4 o'clock. We got a theme song for this guest, of course. Can you touch this. And now he's got his own radio show that's going to air Whoa. here on 97.1 FM Talk. I do believe I get a little commission on that, Josh Hammer, right? Isn't there some sort of arrangement that I have with you? Mark, at a
4: bare minimum, my friend drinks on me the next time <laughs> I'm in St. Louis, great to be back with you.
1: Well, how are you? And since we had that dinner a couple of months ago, you have since gotten married, so congratulations on that.
4: Thank you so much. Yeah, it was December 17th here, here in Florida where I live. It was you know it was everything that i thought it would be it really was i mean just having family and friends fly in from all throughout the country and all all around the world i mean my my wife is is very israeli she was born in israel we ended up having 20 to 25 people fly in from israel for the wedding which was really incredible to have that there from a war torn country so that really just made it all the more special to give these poor people suffering in the middle of a war a chance to just celebrate in Judaism, we call it the simcha to have happiness. It was really just beautiful, Mark.
1: Well, let's talk about and I want to get, get a plug-in for the radio show. It's gonna air by the way at one o'clock on Saturdays here on 97.1 FM Talk. So we'll talk about that here before I let you go. But on that topic of Israel and Claudine Gay in particular, what you've seen here, Josh, even back when we had dinner in November, we were talking about the reaction to October seventh, some of the horrifying things we've seen with anti-Semitism on campuses and some of it coming from leaders at these institutions. So the clock was ticking throughout the holidays on on Claudine Gay, but of course now the reaction is it's it's white supremacists that forced her out, right? <laughs> you know, her resignation
4: statement really was remarkable, wasn't it? I mean I guess we should all stop being surprised at a certain point, but Zero accountability, zero taking any responsibility for any of your own actions, zero zero apology whatsoever for the absolutely atrocious testimony in front of Congress. By the way, Mark, that ended up being the most watched congressional testimony in the history of C-SPAN, which is pretty remarkable. I mean so wow. millions and millions of people ended up tuning in to see – Sally Kornbluth, Liz McGill, and Claudine Gay just absolutely beclowned themselves in front of Elise Stefanik and the rest of that committee there. But zero accountability additionally for Claudine Gay when it comes to these legitimate accusations of serial plagiarism that was exposed by the likes of Chris Rufo, the intrepid investigative reporter, and folks like that. It was just a shameful, shameful letter. And, you know, I hate to be a cynic because it really is a big scalp. I mean, this is the most prestigious, most famous university in the world, far none, Harvard. So it's a huge scalp in, in the righteous fight against wokeism, DEI, and all this stuff. But unless there are serious changes made at the Harvard board, the Harvard Corporation, you know, it's hard to be too too happy. So yes, I'm happy with what happened. It's unfortunate from an anti anti-Semitism perspective that it also took you know all this all this plagiarism to ultimately yeah. get the pro- the proper results. But, yes, it obviously is is a nice story, certainly, that she's at.
1: Yeah, no, and I'm with you, but I'm going to get to this a little later in the show. i got to squeeze some time in for it because, and it's long. It's like 4,000 words. I'm not going to do all of it. Did you read the uh, the screed from Bill Ackman on all this stuff on Twitter?
4: So I, I, I have not been able to yet. I saw it trending. I saw Barry Weiss tweet it out. You, you know, read it's it funny, it. Mark. Okay, I, I, will, I will go ahead and do yeah. that.
1: Yeah, it's really good because, you know, he's he's a hedge fund manager, has given a lot of money to Harvard, but he really lays it out in an exceptional ways. And, you know, look, he basically makes it very clear. Uh, some of the messaging is th- this isn't just about what happened here. Now this got exposed because of October 7th. But, you know, this has been seeping in, as you know, Josh. And as I know, we've covered this for years now at these institutions over the course of years with the indoctrination, and the brainwashing. And that's what you get. And this is what we've created. Unfortunately, that's what they've created.
4: Yeah, and it goes back a very long time. It goes back all the way, at least to the 1960s campus radicals. I mean, the Black Panthers on campus, the Vietnam War protests, all all that stuff. And, you know, to be clear, I'm not I'm not a Vietnam War apologist or anything, but that was kind of just the campus culture. That was the campus milieu at that time. That was also in, in 1967 was the second major existential war that Israel faced, the 1967 Six-Day War against all the invading Arab countries from Jordan, Syria, Lebanon, Egypt, and it was after that miraculous victory for Israel that I think the American left and the Western left in general started to think of Israel not as the underdog, not as the David, but as the Goliath. And unfortunately, when it comes to Western Marxist conceptions of power structures, Mark, when you think about oppressed versus oppressors and all of this neo-Marxist claptrap that they now teach in the academies like it's mother's milk, That really, I think, was the time when the American left started to turn on Israel. And now in the aftermath of 2020, and the aftermath of the BLM Antifa riots and the racial reckoning that happened that summer, you just have this incredibly, incredibly toxic notion that gets, tossed around that Israel is this white European colonialist country against brown, oppressed people. Which, by the way, anyone who knows any Israelis, I mean, my wife, for instance, is considerably darker than I am. Um, you know, Her family comes from Iraq, Morocco, northern African countries. Most Israeli Jews are not quote-unquote white. They actually happen to be quite a bit darker. But the more important point is, why are we even playing this game? It doesn't matter. I mean, it's toxic to even get yeah. into that game in the first place, but that's what the American left does, unfortunately. By the way,
1: one more, one more media note on the Claudine Gay stuff, and I um, I just saw this. I retweeted it from my friend Scott Jennings, who is on CNN quite a bit, trying to keep the head straight over there. He said this because the Associated Press blasts this out last night. Harvard president resignation highlights new conservative weapon against colleges as plagiarism. So He said it's remarkable that conservatives, with all the pouncing and seizing they had, had the time to invent the concept of plagiarism over the last couple of months, right? It's just stunning how they try to sell this. You did a column here about 2024. We can't get through all these, but it was a wish list. Sanity at home and stability abroad, a 2024 wish list. Would you like to highlight a couple of those, Josh?
4: Sure. So on the home front, I said that my number one wish list when it comes to politics is that Joe Biden has to be defeated. I mean, that is as clear as day. It should be as clear as day at least. I mean, he's been absolutely catastrophic pre- president both on the home front and all around the world. The, the world is burning, Mark. I mean, I did a monologue on my show a, a week ago or so. I, I am genuinely more terrified than I have ever been at the, at the possibility of World War III happening in my lifetime. I really am. I, that is really not exaggeration. The, the other domestic thing that I highlighted in this column for for what my money is worth, Mark, I think is the most under-discussed issue in America, is the drug overdose crisis. I'm very passionate oh, about this topic. Yeah. I'm very yeah. passionate about this. My cousin overdosed and died from fentanyl six years ago. The, the number of drug overdose deaths we've had in America was 5,000 in 1992 annually. It was roughly 110,000 last year. I mean, you know, people can do the math for themselves there. I mean, we shut down the whole country and shut down most of the world for a year and a half, two years to fight COVID, which we now know was barely any deadlier than the flu, which we obviously have year in, year out surely surely at this point fighting drug overdose is not a partisan issue i would hope so that was another thing that i flagged in that column as well i am hoping that the biden administration and all the various governors at the state and local level just we need all hands on deck mark to fight this horrific epidemic and then of course i mentioned the the conflict in the middle east as well there i do think it is imperative that america stand with our allies in, in this fight against barbaric islamist jihad. I mean, I guess global jihadism right there. That you know, Israel's is not asking for a whole lot, they're not asking for a ton of money or weapons, it's really just asking for diplomatic cover a deterrent posture from the U.S. Navy, things like that there. And we certainly owe it to them in this existential fight, I think.
1: You know, I want to go back just quickly to the fentanyl, and you're so right about that. I have uh, somebody that I know, uh, a friend had just gone through some— I, I haven't had a drink since 1990, but somebody had gone through some um, sobriety you know, treatment but was in mainly—and this was an alcohol issue— but was mainly in with fentanyl addicts. And I guess that even to detox from that stuff, it takes almost a month. And there were people in this facility that had— been in and i know this is typical with other substances too but we're talking three four five times because of fentanyl and the amount of devastation that that has caused and and you're right it's it's not addressed in a proper way from our elected officials and and certainly by the media so i'm with you on that one tell me about the radio show i know you filled me in a couple of months ago when we got together it's going to air here on 97.1 fm talk saturday afternoon one o'clock the josh hammer show what's it all about
4: yeah, so we are really just truly thrilled to get there starting this weekend, I believe, 97.1 FM. You know, Mark, I think you and I discussed this a little bit, but I, I have a very personal connection to St. Louis, actually. It was my great-great-grandparents, who I, I never met, of course. They passed away before I was born. But they were Jews way back in Lithuania in Eastern Europe, it 120, 130 years ago. And they actually immigrated to St. Louis because my great-great-grandfather heard back then that's where he could find a minyan, you know, 10 Jewish males to pray for certain prayers. And then my great-grandmother, who I also never met, she actually graduated from Washington University in St. Louis back in the 1930s, nice. you know, well before most women even went to university. So I, it's a really, really cool thing. I'm deeply excited there. Tune in Saturday, 1 p.m., 97.1 f.m. You'll get hard-hitting, conservative takes. I pull no punches, Mark. You know my style. I call like I see it, the repercussions be damned. I call it the way it is, and I think people there are going to
1: like it a lot. No, I'm looking forward to it. I'm glad that you got on the station here. It's got to be the biggest, you know, it's got to be the biggest career highlight. Just getting the show, but then getting on 97.1 FM Talk, you know, th- there's, there's something there. But I know you worked hard on this, Josh, in all seriousness. So I'm glad you're going to get the exposure here. Uh, again, congratulations on the, uh, the wedding. And I don't think you, you said you weren't taking a honeymoon until later in the year. So hopefully you'll squeak that in as well
4: yeah so we're going to do a uh our our birthdays are actually a week apart from each other in february so we're going to this resort on on the pacific coast of mexico for four nights in february we haven't planned the the big honeymoon yet probably need to get on that sooner rather than later but we're going to take a delayed honeymoon we're thinking south africa we're thinking south africa we really want to go there do all the ocean stuff you know do some vineyards up there and most importantly we're actually both big animal people I'm, I've been dying to do a safari for a very long oh, yeah. time. and You're not
1: going to Toto Santos, are you, Mexico?
4: No, we're going to a resort called uh, the Mandarina. It's about an hour north of Puerto Vallarta. Actually.
1: Okay, I thought because I go to uh, Totos quite a bit, uh, which is north of Cabo, and you said Pacific Ocean side, but that's you know on uh, Baja. Hey, listen, we'll listen to the show this weekend. Josh, thank you so much. Always a pleasure, Mark. Thanks so much.
0: Get more at 971talk.com.